before we go to um, YouTube, I'm going to do this one more time. But I want to say thank you because this Saturday, right, at the Lord's New Year, because we just started the Lord's New Year, brothers and sisters, this Saturday I was blessed to walk home with the 2022 Chicago Music Award for Best Spoken Word Poet. Let me bring this in a little bit closer. Yes, brothers and sisters, I know it's showing backwards, but it says uh, Chicago Music, the 40th Chicago Music Award, Best Spoken Word Poet, uh, Black Ice, April 2022. So I want to thank you all, all of you all who voted, tuned in, listened, watched, and just supported your brother for the um, the votes that I asked you all to do. Quante Wells, I want to say peace and blessings to you. Sister Krista Wells, uh, and I think our sister just celebrated a birthday as well. I want to say peace and blessings to you, Sister Krista Wells, and happy Earth Day, solar return, day of your birth. Um, Sister Key Maybon, peace and blessings to you. Brother Dean Furlow, blessings to you, my brother. Sister Miranda Rochelle Turner, peace and blessings to you. Brother Malachi is in the building. Sister Key Israel is in the building. Uh, Sister Mary Scott Macklin is in the building. Jalen Sims is in the building. Now, let's go ahead and read off the what we believe, and then after we do that, we're going to go live on our YouTube. Here it is. The Truth Hour Bible Class is an online social media Bible-based ministry. We teach the uncut word of God as it is written in the scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, Isaiah 28 and 10. Our mission is to lead as many souls to Jesus the Christ so that through the word of God and the keeping of the commandments, we may receive salvation. Our motto is, if you cannot read it, then do not believe it. Number one, here's what we believe. We believe in the name of Jesus. We have no dispute with those who would want to use the other um the name in other languages, such as Yahshua, Esau, Isa, or any other variation of the name, it's okay with us. If you want to use the Latin, if you want to use the Hebrew, if you want to use any other variations of the name, it's okay. We use the name Jesus here on this show. Okay? We also believe that Jesus alone is our Lord and Savior. Number three. We believe in the Sabbath day, which is from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. Number four, we believe in the seven feast days of the Lord as listed in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. And we'll go over some of those feast days on this Bible class today. Right. Number five, we believe that we, the so-called African-American and those that were spread throughout the four corners of the earth by where the transatlantic slave trade are indeed Israelites. And all of the Lord's statutes, laws, and commandments apply to us. Number six, we believe that we must keep the Lord's law to the best of our ability. Number seven, we believe that we must keep the Lord's dietary law according to Leviticus the 11th chapter. No pork, no catfish, no shrimp, no lobster, or anything that's deemed to be unpermissible according to the word of God as, uh, as listed in Leviticus, the 11th chapter, okay? Number eight, we believe that both the scriptures of the Old Testament or the testimony in the New Testament must be used when teaching the word of God. You can't be an Old Testament scholar or a New Testament Christian. You must be both. Isaiah 28, Isaiah 8 and 20. Number nine, we don't believe in Sunday Sabbath service. 
We don't believe in the Trinity. We don't believe in holidays that originated in the worship of other gods, such as Easter and Christmas. These are anti-Christ or against God, according to the Bible. We believe that salvation through Jesus is for all people, no matter what race, color, or nationality, Revelation 7 and 9. Brothers, at this time, if you have a hair covering on, we ask that you remove your hair covering. Sisters, at this time, if you don't have a hair covering on, we ask that you go get a hair covering and cover your heads so that you can be in compliance with the word of God as it is listed in the book of 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verses 3 through 6. Again, 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verses 3 through 6. So again, brothers and sisters, we thank you. We thank you for tuning in. We thank you for watching. We thank you for listening. And at this time, we're going to go ahead and get our YouTube up and running. And um, I want to say another thank you after we get our uh, YouTube up and running to all those who voted for the Chicago Music Awards. So let's go ahead and get our YouTube up and running. And we're getting ready in five, four, three, okay, two, and we're going to go with I'm going to move this over here. There you go. That's a little bit better. And one. Thank you, YouTube, for tuning in to another edition of the Bible Class Truth Hour here on the four-time national award-winning POET radio. Now, right off top before we get into today's lesson, I want to say thank you to all of you all who voted for your brother. Um, who watch this Bible class and please subscribe down at the bottom. But this past Saturday, um, I was honored with receiving this award for best spoken word poet for the Chicago Music Awards. And I know many of you all voted for me. So I wanna say thank you for your votes. Thank you for your support and thank you for your love. This is my seventh Chicago Music Award. And again, I am so honored and I am so appreciative and I'm so proud to bring this back home to the Truth Hour family. So thank you guys so much. Today's lesson is the church lied to us about Good Friday and Easter Sunday. I'm going to say that again. The church lied to us about Good Friday and Easter Sunday. <laughs> so, is it really Good Friday? Because we want to prove here on this show why Easter is anti-Christ and Good Friday ain't no damn good. I'm going to say that again. Why Easter is anti-Christ and why Good Friday ain't no damn good. When it comes to this time of the year, which is the springtime of the year, brothers and sisters, there are certain celebrations that take place. There is St. Patrick's Day, Good Friday, there is Easter, 
There is the Passover, and then there is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Some are celebrated as religious festivals, and some just commemorate a new season. Now, in previous lessons, brothers and sisters, we showed that between the end of March and the beginning of April is God's new year. And the only day in the Bible that God commands us to keep during this season and during this time of the year is the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. I'm going to say that again. The only thing that God commands us to keep or commemorate during this time of the year is the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. In this season, or in this lesson, brothers and sisters, we're going to prove that not only Easter is not one of the Lord's sanctioned holy days, but it is anti-Christ. Now, Passover is mentioned 97 times in the Bible. Let's say that again. Passover is mentioned 97 times in the Bible. The first time we read of the Passover is in the book of Exodus. When the Lord is freeing the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt, when they were in 400 years of slavery. Let's read what the Lord commanded the children of Israel to do for Passover. So the first place we're going to go is Exodus, the 12th chapter. Again, Exodus, the 12th chapter, second book of the Bible. And please, brothers and sisters, follow us with scripture. Don't just listen to what we say and pick up this book. Open it up. Turn the pages and follow us with this lesson. So Exodus, the 12th chapter. And we're going to start this thing off at verse 1. It's a little, a little bit lengthy. We're going to go through 1 through 14. But Exodus 12, verses 1 through 14. And it reads, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Oh, so wait a minute. God is constituting the first month of the year, but we still need to know when that is. Is it January, like the Gentiles have taught us, or is it something else? Let's finish reading. Verse 3. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the tenth month, I'm sorry, in the tenth day, of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And, the, and if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, you shall take it from the sheep or the goats, and you shall keep it up unto the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side 
posts and on the upper doorposts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire, and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Wait a minute. So now we know that the Passover is directly connected to the first month of the year. I'm going to say that again. Now we know that the Passover is directly connected to being connected to the first month of the year. Verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood, verse 13, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses wherein you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So now we know where the term Passover came from, brothers and sisters. The Lord said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, okay? And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day, shall be unto you for a memorial and you shall keep it a feast to the lord throughout your generations so have we stopped having children yet no generations are still coming so guess what we should still be commemorating the passover it says throughout your generations you shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever so, brothers and sisters, Passover, we just learned what that was. The Lord passing over or the death angel passing over the homes that contained the blood on the doorposts and over the posts. The Lord said he would make sure that they pass over your home and you won't suffer the same suffering that the firstborn of Egypt would suffer that particular night. But again, we learned that the Passover is connected to the beginning of months. The Passover is in the first month of the year. So this is how we calculate, and this is how we get our time, brothers and sisters. Now, let's go to the book of Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. Now, when we go from an actual event that took place in Egypt, and read about the Passover in the book of Exodus, like we just read, and how it took place in Egypt, brothers and sisters. Now we got to confirm that this event now has become a feast of the Lord, okay? This event that took place, it's a memorial. Now, where can we find this at 
in the Bible, the book of Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. We're going to go there. But we still ain't seen Easter yet, brothers and sisters. Let's look at Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, and see if we can find Easter amongst the list of holy days that God told us to set aside for him. Let's go to Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. And we're going to read verses 1 through 6. And it reads, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them concerning the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. Even these are my feast. Six days shall work be done. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest and a holy convocation or church, brothers and sisters, a gathering, a holy gathering. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwelling. So this is why we go to church on Saturday. Because of this right here. The Lord says six days, all your work shall be done. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day. So what day should we be going to church on, brothers and sisters? Saturday because it is the Sabbath day. Verse four, these are the feast of the Lord, even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their seasons. In the 14th day of the first month at evening is the Lord's Passover. So now we know, brothers and sisters, that the Passover is in the Lord's first month of the year, right? We're gonna go ahead and take a quick detour go to your Google search engine, and then we're gonna type in Passover. So just give us one moment. We're gonna type in Passover 2022. And so when you get Passover 2022, I know you're gonna see this backwards, but I want you to see it. Let's see if we can get the focus. It says April 15th. Okay, April 15th is the Passover. Let me show you two. Okay, April 15th. Let me just type this in again. There you go. April 15th. And we're going to go. There we go. Let's see if we could focus. There we go. April 15th. 2022. Now they have April 15th through the 23rd because they include the Feast of Eleven Bread, but as we're about to read right now, that's a separate feast. However, if April 15th is the Passover, and the Passover is 14 days before, I'm sorry, New Year, God's New Year's Day is 14 days before the Passover, and the Passover is on the 14th day of the new year in the first month, then April 2nd was the Lord's New Year's Day, brothers and sisters, at sundown. And so again, when we say Happy New Year to you and you like, what are you saying? We don't understand what you're saying. You saying Happy New Year. How are you talking about Happy New Year in a month of April? You find out when the New Year's, new year's Day is based on when the Passover is. And what you do is subtract 14 days from the day of the Passover. So if, if, if the Passover is on April 15th, and you subtract 14 days from that, brothers and sisters, 
Then you going into April the 2nd, right? April 2nd, that's your first day of God's new year. April 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th. 12, 13, 14, 15. So we get around that April 1st at sundown, going into April 2nd because God starts his new year at sundown. And there you go. And so we celebrated that this weekend, brothers and sisters. So now let's go ahead and continue on with our lesson. We're in the book of Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. Now we're going to read verses 15 and 16. Verses 15 and 16. It says, And you shall count unto you from the next day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheep of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Okay. I'm sorry, I missed one thing. Let's go to let's go to verse six. I knew that I missed something. So we got the Passover. Let's deal with the day after the Passover. It says, On the 15th day. That's verse six. And the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. How many of us know that? That on April the 16th this year at sundown, we have to go seven days without eating bread that has yeast in it or that agent that makes it rise. See, if we don't know any better, then, you know what I'm saying, we're not going to do it. So this is why we try to do these, do these lessons like a week or two ahead of time so that you can begin to prepare. Right? Now let's go down to 15 and 16. It says, and you shall count unto you from the next day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. So a Sabbath is seven days. So if you go seven times seven days, you got 49, okay? Now, after the 49th day, it says, even until the next day after the seventh Sabbath, shall you number 50 days, and you shall offer an offering of new meat unto the Lord. So this is your day of Pentecost. Pentecost means 50 brothers and sisters. So you have churches that are called Pentecostal church. That's Pentecost only means 50. But all these things are adding up to something, brothers and sisters. If you know the Lord's holy days, then you know prophecy because they all point to something. Let's go down and read verses 23 through 24. And it reads, and the Lord spake unto Moses, said, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath, a memorial of the blowing of trumpets and a holy convocation. So how many days can you count so far? After the Passover, you had the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and that contains two feast days, the first day and the seventh day. Okay? Then after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you had the day of Pentecost. Okay? Now we got another holy day called the memorial of the blowing of trumpets. Now, what does this symbolize, brothers and sisters? When do Jesus come? At the last what? I heard you, Brother Duncan. At the last trump. So what do you think the memorial of the blowing of, trump blowing of trumpets represents? It represents the coming of Jesus Christ. 
But we're not done. Now, let's go to the next one. Let's go to verse 27 and 28, and it reads, we, we're in the seventh month of the year now, right? Also, in the tenth day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement, and there shall be a holy convocation unto you, and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, and you shall do no work therein. You shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. Now, this is the only time of the year or day of the year that the Lord commands us to fast. No food or no water for 24 hours, from sundown to sundown. How many brothers and sisters in the church know about this? They talk about the Daniel fast. They talk about this fast. They talk about that fast. Now, these are fasts that you can do on your own, but there's a fast that we are commanded to do. And that is on the Day of Atonement, which is on the 10th day of the seventh month. But if you don't even know what month you're in, how are you going to know to keep these feasts? And this is what we teach here on the Bible class, Truth Hour, brothers and sisters. But the memorial of the blowing of trumpets is in the seventh month. The day of atonement is in the seventh month. Because when Jesus comes back, brothers and sisters, you, got, you still got a chance to atone for your sins if you are alive, alive at that time. Okay? But let's see what else goes down in the seventh month of the year. You got four feast days in the seventh month of the year. And we'll go over that in a minute. Let's go through verses 33 through 39. It says, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, speak unto the children of Israel, saying, the 15th day of this seventh month, you got the first day of the seventh month, you got the 10th day of the seventh month, now we got the 15th day of the seventh month. Seemed like to me there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen in the seventh month of the year. The trumpet blows symbolizing the coming of Jesus in the seventh month of the year. When Jesus comes, brothers and sisters, we got one choice to get down or lay down. So if you haven't atoned before, you've been deceived. Now you see the Lord eyeball to eyeball. We got a chance to atone if we still alive when he come back. But let's find out what else happens in the seventh month of the year. Speak of the children of Israel saying, the 15th day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. That tabernacle represents a house, brothers and sisters. Now, this is when Jesus gathers his people from the four corners of the earth to bring them back into their own house, to, the, to their own tabernacle, in their own land. It says, on the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. Seven days shall you offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And on the eighth day, uh-oh, there's another one. Because this is a seven-day feast. So if we go into an eighth day, that represents another feast. And on the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you. And you shall offer and offer made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and you shall do no servile work therein. So, brothers and sisters, this is very interesting. 
Because again, if Jesus was killed in the first month of the year, because he was the Passover, remember he took the Passover, that was the last meal he had, and he was he was killed and had to be put in the grave before sundown the next day. So we know that Jesus was killed on the 14th day of the first month. We know that, brothers and sisters. And if Jesus lived to be 33 and a half years old, what's six more months after the first month of the year? It's the seventh month of the year. And what happens on the 15th day of the seventh of the, of the seventh month of the year? Come on, brothers and sisters. It's what you call learning something on the way to learning something. We don't give specific days and actual dates here on the Bible Class Truth Hour, but it's enough information for us to know these signs that the Lord give us to understand what took place and what will take place, brothers and sisters. He called the end from the beginning. Verse 37, these are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim. Wait a minute, where's Easter? Where's Good Friday? Wait a minute, you can't be ending this, Lord. You can't be stopping with, with just what we read. The Lord said, these are the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, a burnt offering and a meat offering and a sacrifice and drink offerings. Well, we know that Jesus replaced the offerings when he offered his body. Everything upon his day. So we just read seven feast days. Let us go over it again and see if we can nail down Easter. First, we got the Passover, which is a memorial. Then we got the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which contains two feasts. It's in the first month of the year. You got the first day and the seventh day. Both are feasts. Again, it's in the first month of the year. The 15th day of the first month. But then we go to the third month of the year. We got the day of Pentecost. And then we got the seventh month of the year. We got the memorial of the blowing of trumpets, the tenth day, uh, the first day of the seventh month. We got the day of atonement, the tenth day of the seventh month. We got the feast of tabernacles, the fifteenth day of the seventh month, and then we got the eighth day feast, brothers and sisters. So the Lord gives us these things in order for us to consume it and learn it, what his plan is for man. We know Jesus got to come back in one of the 12 months of the year. This right here, brothers and sisters, tells us which month. Another lesson for another time, we can get deeper into it, but we're here to talk about why Easter is anti-Christ and why Good Friday ain't no damn good. That's what we're here to talk about today. Now, most people think, again, Passover started with Jesus, but we just read that Passover started in the book of Exodus. But the thing is, did Jesus keep Easter or did he keep the Passover? Let's go to Matthew 26, 17 through 30. Surely this, this son of God kept Easter if it was a holy day. So let's go to the book of Matthew. 
Going to the book of Matthew, the 26th chapter, verses 17 through 30. 26 verses 17 through 30, Matthew 26, verses 17 through 30. And it says, Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where were thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? Now, this is an error, brothers and sisters. Now, when we say that the Bible has errors in it, we don't say that the word of God is error, but man, when he translated this Bible, he added and he took away. So we know that this was not the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread because Jesus was dead already by the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is talking about the Passover, but it reads, now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus. They couldn't come to him because he was dead already on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This should say, on the day of the Passover, the disciples came to Jesus saying unto him, where, will, well, where do you want us to celebrate or to eat the Passover? Let's continue eating. And he said, go into the city to such a man and say unto him, the master saith, my time is at hand and I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. Remember when we read Leviticus, the 23rd chapter? In verse 5, it said, On the 14th day of the first month at evening is the Lord's Passover. And then verse 6 says, On the 15th day of that same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So these are a day apart from one another. So if you want to go back and do your own research, you can go, you can go back to Leviticus 23, verses 5 and 6, so that you can know that this is not the Feast of Unleavened Bread, this is the Passover. Verse 19, and the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And so then you know the story about Judas and, and, and Judas betraying him and everything of that sort. But what we want to do is explain to you, brothers and sisters, what this actually is. We're going to go down to verses 27 through 29. It says, and he took the cup and gave it thanks. I'm sorry, 26 through 29. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and break it and gave it unto his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave it thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. But this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, brothers and sisters, Jesus would refer to his body all the time, but be referring to the word of God. So when he says, take this, eat of my body, all these words are up in here, brothers and sisters. This is, this is his body. You got to eat his body, which meaning eat the word of God. Okay, remember in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So he's always been referred to as the word. So what does he want you to eat when he said, eat my body? Eat this word, brothers and sisters. But uh, verse 28, 27, and he, and he took the cup and gave it thanks and 
gave it unto them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So, brothers and sisters, that same blood that was put on the sides of the doorposts and over the top of the doorposts, which represented being free from death. It was Jesus's blood that represented that blood of that lamb or that goat back during Moses's time and the children of Israel while they were in Egypt. If you stay under the blood, brothers and sisters, then you are free from the lake of fire, which is death, brothers and sisters. That's what his blood represents. His blood represents our chance at eternal life. So even when we die in this flesh and blood body, we become resurrected into our spiritual bodies and that spiritual body is a body that you cannot die from, which is the reason why God had to create a lake of fire for those fallen angels because they are spirit beings and spirit beings can't die. Although the lake of fire is called the second death. So to avoid the lake of fire, he says, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Drink ye all of it. Do what you can, brothers and sisters. Eat this word, get into it, learn how I want you to live, keep my words, and stay out of the lake of fire. But wait a minute, where's Easter? I still don't find Easter as a day that Jesus and his disciples celebrated. Now we got to go to the Wikipedia. We got to find out what the origin of Easter is and where it comes from. Let's go ahead and read. Easter was originally the celebration of Ishtar, the Assyrian and Babylonian goddess of fertility and sex. I'm gonna read that again. Easter was originally the celebration of Ishtar, the Assyrian and Babylonian goddess of fertility and sex. Her symbols like the egg and the bunny were and still are fertility and sex symbols after Constantine decided to Christianize the empire, Easter was changed to represent Jesus, but at its root, Easter, which is how you pronounce Ishtar, is all about celebrating fertility and sex. So you wonder why? You gotta go Easter egg hunting? Well, a man carries the sperm and a woman carries the egg. So back in these Gentile nations of Greece and Rome, when they celebrated their different gods, during this time of the year, they would have their sex orgies. And they would strip their women naked. And these naked white women would have to go and hide while they turned around sort of like we do hide and go seek, catch a girl, kiss a girl. And if they caught these women, they were able to have sex with them because the women carry the egg. So this was their version of Easter egg hunting. 
So brothers and sisters, this is a very perverted and sexual festival that we have given our children. And not only have we given it to our children, we have put Jesus' name on top of this false idolistic celebration. But let's not stop there because that was Rome. Rome had Ishtar. What did Greece have? Because every nation had their fertility god. But let's deal with Greece right now. The Greek goddess was known as Aphrodite. She was the Olympian goddess of love, beauty, pleasure, and procreation. She was depicted as a beautiful woman. The term hermaphrodite her, uh, also came from the goddess Aphrodite. In biology, a uh, I always uh, miss this word up. A hermaphrodite is an organism that has complete or partial reproductive organs and produces um, gam gametes normally associated with both male and female sexes. Um, I forgot what this, uh, I, I know how to pronounce that word, but it's the it's where you see someone that have both, both sex genders, they have a penis and a vagina. So y'all understand what I'm saying. Y'all know what that word is. Uh, 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 they pronounce it here, hermaphrodite. Okay, y'all know what that is. Okay, in Roman mythology, they had another goddess named Venus, which was the goddess of love, sex, beauty, and fertility. She was the Roman counterpart to the Greek Aphrodite. However, Roman um, Venus had many abilities beyond the Greek Aphrodite. She was the goddess of victory, fertility, and even prostitution. According to uh, Hesiod's Theogony, Aphrodite was born of the form from the sea after Saturn, Greek Kronos, castrated his father Uranus, and his blood fell into the sea. This later, ex this later explanation appears to be more popular, to be a more popular theory due to the countless artworks depicting Venus rising from the sea and a clam. Y'all remember that? The woman inside of a clam rising from the sea? That was Venus, brothers and sisters. Oh, okay, let me see. Hermaphrodite. Okay, that's close. But you got me. I appreciate y'all helping me out uh, with that. Uh, it says, we've been told since birth, brothers and sisters, about the Easter Bunny, about Peter Cottontail, and the church has played a major role, brothers and sisters, in legitimizing Easter and Easter Sunday as a religious holiday. All right, I appreciate that. What did the Lord say about other gods beside him, brothers and sisters? So in essence, when you celebrate an Easter, you are celebrating another god. Be it male or female, god or goddess, you still celebrating another God. And you giving it to your children, cutting off their chance at eternal life. Because you know they just gonna repeat what you do. 
So let's look at Exodus, the 20th chapter, verses 1 through 5. Let's see what God said about worshiping other gods and celebrating other gods. Since now we know that Easter or Ishtar is the goddess of fertility, let's see what the Lord said about it. Exodus 21 through 5. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make unto thee any graven image or anything or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. So brothers and sisters, it's right in the Ten Commandments that we are not supposed to have any gods beside God, but we celebrate Easter, which is the celebration of the goddess of fertility. Now, let's go to Constantine and the, and the Council of Nicaea. Let's go to the Wikipedia and look this up. In 325 AD, the Roman Emperor Constantine wanted the Roman church all on one accord. He wanted to maintain control over the doctrine that the world would soon adopt as the Christian doctrine. Constantine had invited 1,800 bishops of the Christian church within the Roman Empire, about 1,000 in the East, 800 in the West, but a smaller and unknown number attended. Another result of the council was an agreement on when to celebrate Easter, the most important feast of the ecclesiastical calendar decreed in an epistle to the Church of Alexandria in which it is simply stated, we also send you the good news of the settlement concerning the Holy Pash, namely that in answer to your prayers, this question also has been resolved. All the brethren in the East who have, uh, who have hitherto Follow the Jewish practice will henceforth observe the custom of the Romans and or yourselves and all of us who from ancient times who have kept Easter together with you. Now, brothers and sisters, let's go to the book of Acts, the second chapter. The book of Acts, the second chapter. The only place in the Bible that mentions the word Easter is in Acts, the second chapter. Now, some pastors and preachers are going to use this to twist the interpretation um, and misinterpret the Bible, trying to approve that Easter is a holy day given by God. However, we already know that Easter comes from the celebration of the goddess of fertility and the goddess of spring, which was done way before Jesus came in the flesh through Mary, brothers and sisters. So it's no big thing if Easter is mentioned to be a celebration by the Romans during the 33 years that Jesus walked on this earth in the flesh. Because they have been celebrating it way before Jesus came on the scene. So let's go read the only place where Easter is mentioned in the Bible. Exodus, Exodus the, I'm sorry, Acts the 12th chapter. Acts the 12th chapter. Acts the 12th chapter, and we're going to read verses, let me see, Acts the 12th chapter, we're going to read verses 1 through 4, Acts 12, 
verses 1 through 4, and it reads, Now about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. So they mentioned that this is during the time of unleavened bread. But now watch this. And when he apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quarantinians of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. So the Romans didn't care nothing about the Feast of Unleavened Bread because they killed James, the brother of John, during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is one of God's holy feasts. Oh, but when it came to their feast in which they celebrated, the goddess of fertility, Easter, they said, oh, we're going to put all these deaths and these, and these killings on hold because we got our Easter that we celebrate. Romans. So this day had nothing to do with Jesus, but it had something to do with the Romans, brothers and sisters. But like everything else, because we are the sons and daughters of slaves, and we watched our slave master celebrate these days, we adopted everything that he did. We adopted his holidays. We adopted his diet. We adopted his doctrine, brothers and sisters. And that's why today the Christianity that the world has is Roman Christianity and is not the Christianity of this book right here called the Bible. Because we read out of this book called the Bible. And we don't see the days that this Christian, Roman Christian world celebrates. But that's why we here in the Bible class Truth Hour, because you got about 10 days to share this lesson with your family members and your friends. And you got to, you got a question that you need to ask them is Easter of Jesus. Look at this lesson and tell me what you think about this lesson after you read it. But because of the sake of time, brothers and sisters, we got more that we want to deal with. But right now, let's deal with Good Friday. And we want to let you know why Good Friday ain't no damn good. Let's go to Matthew, the 28th chapter. We're going to show you that Jesus was not killed on a, on a Friday, brothers and sisters. We know that Jesus was killed on the day of the Passover. He took the Passover with his disciples. The day after the Passover, which is also the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, he was already in the grave. He had to be in the grave before sundown, brothers and sisters. Sundown starts the next day. And, so, and, and with the Feast of Unleavened Bread being a holy feast day, the Jews couldn't do no work that particular day. So let's hurry up and get Jesus in the grave, Yahshua in the grave on this day in which we celebrate the memorial so that we won't have to do no work 
on the Lord's feast day. So you can do work on the Passover, but you just got to take the Passover, brothers and sisters. But you can't do no work on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So they had to get this thing done and out the way before sundown. But let's find out what day Jesus was, was resurrected on. And then when you find out what day Jesus was resurrected on, you know we got to have three days and three nights. So what we're going to do, we're going to count backwards from the day that he was resurrected on. Let's go to Matthew 28 chapter verses 1 through 6. Matthew the 28 chapter verses 1 through 6. Matthew 28 verses 1 through 6. And it says, in the end of the Sabbath, so the Sabbath is still here. It's just the end of it. As it began to dawn towards the first day of the week. So the first day of the week ain't here yet, but it's beginning to dawn towards the first day of the week. So we're still in the Sabbath. we at the end of it, but we're still in it. Came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the supplicant. Came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the supplicant. Give me one moment, brothers and sisters. I'm going to read that again. We're in Matthew, the 28th chapter, verses 1 through 6. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And I'll say that again. It's in the end of the Sabbath. And it's beginning to dawn towards the first day of the week. So Sunday ain't even here yet. We still in Saturday, brothers and sisters. It says, and behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was, was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, that keeper, and for fear of him, the keepers did shake and become as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which, which, which was crucified. Still Saturday, all this conversation and all this events is taking place on Saturday. It ain't sundown yet. It's almost here, but it ain't here yet. Verse five, and the angel answered and said unto the women, fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where the Lord laid him. So he was gone already on Saturday, brothers and sisters. When they came on the Sabbath day to look for him, he was already gone. How do we verify this? Let's go to Daniel, the ninth chapter, and let's find out what day Passover was on the year that Jesus was killed because he was killed on the Passover. So let's find out what day Passover was on. Let's go to Daniel, the ninth chapter, verse 27. Daniel, the ninth chapter, verse 27. And it reads, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That's seven days, right? And in the midst of the week, 
he shall cause the sacrifices and the oblations to cease. What happened when Jesus died? The veil was ripped in twain. That veil that was ripped was used to sprinkle the blood of animals on for animal sacrifice. But when the veil ripped in half, animal sacrifice was no more. Animal sacrifice was replaced with the sacrifice of Jesus' body. But it says in the midst of the week. So if a week consists of seven days, what is the middle day of the week? Well, you know what it is because they call it hump day. What day is hump day? Hump day is Wednesday. So if Wednesday is hump day, which is where you got your hump, there should be three days before Wednesday and three days after Wednesday. Three days before Wednesday and three days after Wednesday. So what three days are before Wednesday? Let's look at it. The first day of the week is Sunday. Uh, the second day of the week is Monday. The third day of the week is Tuesday. And then, of course, Wednesday is there in the middle. Then we have Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So you got three days before Wednesday and three days after Wednesday. So we know that the Passover, that the, the year that Jesus was killed, was on a Wednesday. And Jesus was killed on a Wednesday. Right. But you got to get three days and three nights. So back in the day when I taught these lessons, I used to do. God's time and we could use God's time if we want to use that. But let's just use the time that you are aware of and you know. So because they change. Morning and the beginning of the day and all that stuff like that. Let's let's use the time that you are well aware of. So if Jesus was killed on a Wednesday, the first night that he was in a grave was Wednesday night. What comes out the Wednesday night? Thursday morning. What comes out the Thursday morning? Thursday night. What comes out the Thursday night? Friday morning. What comes out the Friday morning? Friday night. There's your three nights. What comes out the Friday night? Saturday morning. So we know that Jesus was killed on a Wednesday. He spent three days and three nights in the grave, starting with Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. Thursday morning, Friday morning, Saturday morning. And he was gone when they came there Saturday. At the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn during towards the first day of the week. So we know Good Friday ain't no damn good, brothers and sisters, because there is no way that you can get three days and three nights from Friday to Sunday. So that alone, if you're going to tell a lie, at least make the lie fit. But you can't even make the lie fit, brothers and sisters. So, yes, Jesus was killed on a Wednesday and he rose on a Sabbath day, on a Saturday, brothers and sisters. And they got confused, brothers and sisters, because you are dealing with feast days that are also called Sabbath days. They are called high Sabbath days. So, brothers and sisters, 
it's a lot that we could teach you going into these lessons and share with you going into these lessons, brothers and sisters. Sister Key, do we have time to finish this thing up? We got one, two, we got four more places. Can y'all hang on with us for four more places? Y'all please put it in the comment section if 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 y'all can hang on for us to go four more places. It's just it's just getting too good right now, brothers and sisters. See, if we go to Matthew the 27th chapter, let's read verses 57 through 63, because this is also going to prove and show us, brothers and sisters, the proof of this lesson. You are the ladies and gentlemen of the jury. And at the end of our dissertation, we will go to the ladies and gentlemen of the jury and see if you find the Roman Catholic Church guilty as charged of lying to our people about Easter Sunday and Good Friday. Let's go to Matthew, the 27th chapter, verses 57 through 63. Matthew, the 27th chapter, verses 57 through 53. Matthew, 27, verses 57 through 63. Matthew, 27, verses 57 through 63. It says, when the evening was come, there was a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth, and he laid it in his own tomb, which he had hewn out of rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulchre and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting against the sepulcher. Now the next day that followed the day of preparation, the next day that followed the day of preparation. So the Passover was also considered the day of preparation, preparing for what? Preparing for the day that comes after the Passover, which is the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So the day of preparation is considered the day that comes before the feast day. Because you got to get prepared. Remember, you can't do no work, so you can't cook. So you got to get your meals prepared before the day of the feast. So that's why it's called the day of preparation. It says, now the next day that followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, sir, we remember that the deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days shall I rise. So again, there's three days again. He was killed on a Wednesday. He had to be in the grave for three days and three nights. Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. Thursday during the day, Friday during the day, Saturday during the day. Those are your three days and your three nights. And when Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the sepulcher on the Sabbath day, which is Saturday, as it began to dawn during the first, toward the first day of the week, Jesus was gone. 
there. So much for your Easter Sunday. Oh, Jesus rose early Easter Sunday morning. No, brothers and sisters. No, that's a lie that they told us, brothers and sisters. And we don't fault you for believing in it because until now and until you ran into the truth, you didn't know the truth. So God gives us room, brothers and sisters, to kind of know the truth and to run into the truth. Now, let me show you what a confusion came in with pastors and preachers that didn't know any better and didn't really study and do their research, study to show themselves approved. The confusion came because the Roman Catholic order didn't understand that in addition to the weekly Sabbath, there are seven feast days, which are high Sabbaths. Again, the Roman Catholic order did not understand that in addition to the weekly Sabbath, so we got a Sabbath every week. Then in addition to those weekly Sabbaths, we have seven Sabbaths or seven feast days, which are called high Sabbaths. Okay, so let's go ahead and read what a misunderstanding comes in at. John, the 19th chapter, verses 30 through 31. John 19, chapter, verses 30 through 31. John 19, verses 30 through 31, and it reads, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. The body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. So they thought, not knowing any better, that he was killed on a Friday because the Sabbath is on a Saturday. So they thought when they read this, that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, they thought it was talking about Saturday. But we know he was killed on the Passover. The day after the Passover is the holy day, the feast day, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is a high Sabbath day. So they confused the weekly Sabbath with the High Sabbath, which is the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. I'll read it to prove to you in the words that's written here in the book that it wasn't the weekly Sabbath. Let's read it. The Jews, therefore, at verse 31, John 19 and 31, the Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. So this was the day before the Sabbath day. For that, for that Sabbath day, was a high day. Weekly Sabbaths are not high days. The high days are the seven feast days that we read in the book of Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. So this high day was the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was on a Thursday, the week that Jesus got killed. So Passover was on a Wednesday. The, feast, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread was on a Thursday, and he, and he could not remain on the cross with the two thieves until that Thursday, which was a high Sabbath day, according to what we read. 
It says, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Now let's go down to verses 41 and 42. And it says, now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher, where was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus before, therefore, because of the, Jew, of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. So the sepulcher was real near to where he was crucified. It was the day before the preparation. Can't do no work on the Sabbath day. And this was a high Sabbath day. So do you guys see where I'm going? These are things that you can go back and research and study for yourself, brothers and sisters. Let's go ahead and get ready to close this thing out. We got two more places to go. It was the church, more specifically, the Roman Catholic Church under the Roman Emperor Constantine and his bishops that lied to us and who are still lying to us about Easter. But today, brothers and sisters, we got it. Now we know that Easter is Antichrist. It is the celebration of the fertility gods. And Good Friday ain't no damn good, brothers and sisters, because it has nothing to do with the crucifixion of Jesus. He was not crucified and killed on a Friday. He was killed on a Wednesday. Have you been following the right church, brothers and sisters? Who is the real church? What is and who is God's church, brothers and sisters? And who are the first Christians? Let's go ahead and read Acts 7, verses 36 through 38. Acts 7, verses 36 through 38. Acts 7, verses 36 through 38, and it reads, He brought them out after that he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. This is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall you hear. So it is the words of Jesus, brothers and sisters, that we hear. It is the words of Jesus that we read, brothers and sisters. And all he said was to keep my words and to keep my sayings. So how is it that we went out of keeping Jesus's words and his sayings and going into Constantine's words and Constantine's sayings, and now we trade in the Passover for Easter? How, brothers and sisters, how do we do that? Verse 38, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. So your first church, brothers and sisters, were the Israelites that came out of the land of Egypt. They were baptized in the Red Sea. And just like it was a mixed multitude of nations that made up the first church, 
is going to be a mixed multitude of nations that make up the church at the end of the day, brothers and sisters. Last place. Let's go to the book of Acts, the 11th chapter. We're going to read one verse, 26. Acts, the 11th chapter, and verse 26. And it reads, And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So what does it mean to be a Christian? A Christian not only means to be a follower of Jesus the Christ, not Constantine, not the Roman Catholic Church, not Pentecostal, not Baptist, not Church of God in Christ, not any denomination that you have heard about, learned about, or been taught about. That's not what makes you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is being a follower of Jesus, the Christ. And being a follower of Jesus, the Christ, means that you are keeping the same doctrine that the children of Israel was given. The ones who were called Christians first at Antioch. So how can you be a Christian? How can you call yourself a Christian and you're not keeping the doctrine that the Israelites were given? Which came from Jesus himself, given unto Moses to give to us. So brothers and sisters, Easter is antichrist and Good Friday ain't no damn good. Thank you so much for your time. Brothers and sisters, again, I want to thank you for listening, tuning in, watching, sharing, subscribing to our YouTube channel, liking our Facebook group page. And if you are on YouTube, then we ask that you go and like our Facebook group page, which is called Truth Hour TV. Continue to help that Facebook group page grow, brothers and sisters. Truth Hour TV and Team Truth Hour. Somebody put that in the, um, the comment section. If you're on YouTube and you have a Facebook page, then go to our Facebook group page, which is called The Truth Hour Bible Class. The Truth Hour Bible Class. If you would like to be added to our text message invite reminder list, then text your name and the keywords Truth Hour. Somebody put my number in there for me. Text your name and the keywords Truth Hour to 312. 719-7310. Again, 312-719-7310. That means that you want to say, Brother Black Ice, I want you to text me right before you go live to remind me that you're going to go on the air, that Team Truth Hour got another powerful lesson that you all are going to teach us this particular week. So brothers and sisters, 312-719-7310, put that in the comment section if you want to be added to our text message invite reminder list. Now, for those who are out there and want to be involved in our family, our Truth Hour family, our social media online Bible ministry, then everybody that put Team Truth Hour out there, Team Truth Hour, put your um, Team Truth Hour in the comment section, join our team. We're looking for more members to help us get this word out, 
to text people, to invite people, to share these lessons. We're looking for more people to help us do that. And we need you, brothers and sisters, okay? We need your help and your assistance. Uh, also, brothers and sisters, I want to say thank you again for voting for me. Um, I took home the Chicago Music Award for Best Spoken Word Poet this past Saturday night. And I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I worked very hard um, with my passion, you know, writing, producing, performing, spoken word. I'm pretty sure a lot of you all watch my performances and um, check out the things that I do outside of the Bible class Truth Hour. But I really, really, really appreciate it. And I'm honored, brothers and sisters. Sister Krista Wells, everybody send her a happy birthday shout out. She just celebrated her birthday. Please send a happy birthday shout out to her. And we want to say uh, we love you, sister. We thank almighty God that he blessed you to see another year of life. All right. With that being said, brothers and sisters, I think it's time for us to stand up and face Jerusalem and, and pray out, brothers and sisters. I think it's, I think it's time. I want to make sure that Sister Key Israel didn't send me any names, any new names to, uh, let's see. Nope, she didn't. All right, cool. With that being said, brothers and sisters, we've taken uh, enough of your time on this particular Tuesday. And again, brothers and sisters, I will be celebrating my 50th birthday coming up in 13 days. Uh, I will be celebrating my 50th coming up in 13 days. I will be having a celebration on what the world calls Easter Sunday, but I don't give a damn about Easter. So my birthday celebration will be on that Sunday that the world calls Easter. And it would be at Dalton Park District. Uh, my wife needs you to RSVP. So you can text me at that number that's in a thread and I can forward your information to her so she can RSVP. But we're going to have a celebration, a celebration of life. Uh, I'll be making half a century, y'all. Your boy getting old, but I'm getting better. <laughs> All right. So to YouTube. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you all. And to next Tuesday, we're dealing with the Passover next Tuesday, the purpose of the Passover. And then the Tuesday after that, we're dealing with um, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the meaning of that, brothers and sisters. So I look forward to the next two lessons that we're about to do. And uh, I will be in Panama probably for the other lesson, uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. I'll be leaving the country going to Panama. All right. So thank you so much. God bless you, YouTube, and good night. So let's stand up, face Jerusalem. Let's go ahead and pray out. Father God, we thank you for another powerful, enlightening message, Father God, where we shared your word, Father God. Father God, for those who are just hearing this for the first time, Father God, work with them, Father God. Open up their third eye, their spiritual eye, Father God, so that these things will be familiar with them and their understanding will grow and increase, Father God. Father God, allow those who are struggling to keep with your word, to keep watching, to keep listening, to tune in. We know, Father God, that when they share this information with other people, that they're going to try to distract them from actually coming to you and coming to your word, Father God. But let them be strong, Father God, and resist 
the temptations of the devil, Father God. Work with us. Be there for us, Father God. Walk with us and protect us. We ask this prayer, Father God, in your son, Jesus, Yahshua name. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters, peace and blessings to each and every one of you all. This lesson will be on YouTube very shortly. Good night.